Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. I almost forgot shit. (laughs) There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Hey, we're stepping into 2023 with a whole new season. season. Today on our show, we bring you a story by Terry Barr. Terry submitted the story after seeing a call for submissions that we put out on Twitter. So for those of you out there who think you have a story that would work on this podcast, please visit the submission guidelines on our website. We're open to all stories by all people. Just please review our guidelines. So I want to talk for a second about how Terry's story came in. We haven't ever really discussed pitches. Some people read our submission guidelines. It appears that many people do not. So uh, we're we're much more receptive. If you actually view the guidelines and really sort of stay in them, well, definitely stay in them. Stay within the guidelines, you mean? Yes. And also, it's really nice if you listen to the podcast and get a sense of what we air. That's actually really crucial. I think last time after I read about 10 submissions in a row, I think I called you and said, we are charging for this. I was super (laughs) pissed because not one story, maybe one, was along the lines of what we typically air, meaning that it was a real situation with a story. Yep. Something happened. Yes. The narrator changed. The situation changed. Like something changed. Somehow the situation impacted the narrator. But we don't want to hear about your worst nightmare unless you're planning to tell us how it's changed you. That was good. That's good. Yeah. We don't want to hear about your worst nightmare unless you tell us how it changed you. What Allison said. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. You just repeated it. Really? I did word for word. I did that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I know I always do that. So tell us about Terry's pitch. We typically like essays that are between like, I don't know, they could be 850 to 1500 words. Terry's story came in at a thousand words. He attached it as a word doc and is, you know, attach it to his email, which is great. You can also place it, you know, copy and paste it in the document too, if you want to. Into the email. Yes, into the email. Sorry. And and that's good if you are sending it from a foreign country or with a different program than Word, because sometimes we can't open them. And then I got to go back and forth trying to get you to send it, but and it's a pain. So if you want to just paste it into the email, that's great too. So both is great. And I want to read Terry's pitch. So listeners, you guys out there have an idea of a pitch done well. Okay. This is what he said. Dear Writing Class Radio, Thank you for considering my true story, Groomsman, a thousand words in parentheses. This past year, after almost 40 years of teaching on the college level, I discovered that one of my colleagues was a sexual predator. This discovery with all its attendant guilt about what I should have known took me back to my own adolescence and to an episode where others should have known what could have happened to me too. I appreciate your time and look forward to your decision. Sincerely, Terry Barr. 
Um, Terry also attached a bio, which is always great with links to his social media in case we wanted to check him out or link if we chose his story. So which we did. And now I have all his information and I don't have to ask him 57 times for his bio, which I think we asked anyway. But (laughs) what I also thought was really interesting is that after we cut like he had a bunch of examples and we narrowed it down to one example. And you'll notice in this story once he starts reading what we're talking about. But he had a couple tangents. Anyway, I didn't think we didn't think that they served the story. Also, it was unnecessary. So we cut those, but asked for more detail about the main situation. But I want to say, like, before, um, before you talk about the story and we'll hear the story in a second, like what drew me into this um, pitch is there was a definite why now. So there was something happening in this narrator's life now that prompted him to tell this story now. And also there's like, oh my God, there's like this intrigue, this danger, this like shit situation that he's alluding to. And he is telling us that other people, he's guilty that he didn't see the sexual predator on his own campus. And he's like, what the hell with the people in my life who didn't see what was happening to me? So now I'm like, whoa, what happened? I think it would have been okay for Terry to not be so mysterious and to tell us, but um Either way, I was intrigued. Like he could yeah. have told us in the in the pitch that he had been sexually abused. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that I think that would have helped. I do think people want to be like secretive. They think that they reveal something at the end that it's powerful. And I remember doing the same thing when I first came into writing. But then you sort of like punched that right out of me. <laughs> I think it's really important to tell the editor exactly what the story is. The, it's not like you're going to spoil alert to the editor in two lines. I think it's okay to spoil the story because you're telling the editor in two lines exactly why the whole rest of the world needs to hear your story. Yeah. I mean, Terry didn't actually come out and say that he was um, sexually abused in, in his pitch, but he could have. But he did mention it, it was it's close enough. It's a really good pitch. Really good. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to just suggest or just let the the listener know is that when we get stories, sometimes we air them as is, but often we have questions. Every editor seems to have their own thumbprint they want to put on something, I think. And so, but we also thought there was something missing. There was like, we needed him to go deeper. And when we asked him to do this, he revised and said this. Honestly, doing these revisions unlocked another door for me, helping me understand why I have always been reluctant to trust anyone totally. Um, And I just thought that's super powerful because sometimes we write in our journals and then maybe we share something, but we don't go back and revise. And those revisions is what bring out the deep, deep, deep emotion. And that's what makes the story amazing. Thanks for telling us that, Terry. That's really cool. Um, I also want to tell the listener that the story evolved and is not exactly about what the pitch says it's about, but we can talk about that later because that's that's the work of revision and editing is figuring out exactly what the story is about and then boom, taking that home. Yeah. And should we talk about the structure here? Do you want to talk about it after we're done? After he reads? Let's talk about it. After we hear the story, we'll also talk about how Terry's structure was really brilliant and excellent. Okay, perfect. Harry's story is called Groomsman. 
Terry Barr writes about music and culture at medium.com at Terry Barr. That's two R's, two R's. His most recent essay collection, The American Crisis Playlist, was nominated for a 2022 Pushcart Prize. His work can also be found at Tell Your Story, Story South, and Under the Sun. He lives in Greensville, South Carolina with his family. We'll be back with Terry's story after the break. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. We're back. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. Here's Terry Barr reading his story, Grimsman. I recently read Each Fallen Robin, essays about the art that made me by my friend Cameron Cook. One of the essays begins, In March of 2012, I was sexually assaulted by my film studies professor in his home. I tensed. He sat down next to me. He was sitting so close, our thighs were touching. Professor Steve, real name redacted, put his left arm over my shoulders. He told me it was more comfortable that way. If you are reading this and you have never experienced this kind of grooming, you're likely wondering why I allowed the rest of the story to happen. I did not wonder. Houshoes was our pediatrician. My brother named him this because in his office he wore slippers. He had a dry, sarcastic air and smoked old gold cigarettes using an artificial filter that made him appear suave, and when the ash fell onto his white coat, he pretended not to notice. When he asked us how we were doing and we responded with any form of complaint, Houshoes rolled his eyes and proclaimed, Ye gods and little fishes. Houshoes lived just a few blocks from us in an old Victorian home with his mother. Houshoes was also an artist, and one Christmas my mother gave me one of his drawings, an expressionist memento of something. When I opened it, I froze and didn't say thanks. I don't know if she ever wondered why. My father never liked the man and said so to all of us, but he never stopped us from being taken to Houshoes' office. As for my mother, I suppose it's difficult to think you've endangered your child. In my memory, she was there at the beginning in the exam room when he did it the first time or two. I even saw how shoes look at her when I stopped him, as if to say, this child of yours, so shy, so untouchable. I am 12. It's just him and me, the intimate solitude of doctor and patient. After he finishes peering down my throat, listening to my chest and checking my ears, how shoes has me lie on the table and starts feeling around my torso. He doesn't explain what he's feeling for. While he's my doctor and I'm supposed to trust him, I begin to feel funny. My apprehension gets stronger, and while I don't know why he's probing down there, I know that if I don't stop him, he will continue. 
So when he tries to pull my underpants down, I say, no. He steps back and rolls his eyes as if I were a strange child. This happens many times. It's our odd ritual. I refuse to let him touch me down there. He always tries, and I always feel bad afterward like something is my fault. This game never stops. Until the year I turn 14. I let him feel down there because I think I've been acting like a scared kid. He touches everything as I knew he would, as I knew he wanted to. I try not to feel anything, but I do. Embarrassment, shame, weakness. I don't feel pleasure. I am not aroused. I am disgusted, and I know this experience must remain a secret. A few weeks later, Houshu's called to ask me to work for him, tending his garden. Since I had no other summer job, I agreed. I knew that if I turned him down, I'd have to explain why, to him and to my parents, and no one would understand unless I told everything. I was supposed to mow his lawn, too, but after one try, he claimed I didn't cut it short enough. When I told Halshoes that my father says cutting the grass too short causes the sun to burn it, he said, What your father knows about lawns can be inscribed on my little toenail. One day, Halshoes returned from his office while I was on my knees, weeding. He said, Come into the house with me, and I'll explain what you're to do next. He had me follow him upstairs and wait in the hallway while he changed clothes. He did not close the door to his bedroom. He took off his clothes, down to his gold briefs, and stood there for a few minutes before putting on his gold coveralls. He knew I was watching him. His stooped, stiff figure looked boyish in his briefs. He had little hair on his pale, fleshy legs, and his stomach protruded over his briefs, even though he was not a large man. Nothing else happened that day. I didn't know what grooming was then. I quit work the next day, opting to box jewelry in my father's store. I never told anyone this story. I knew it would cause trouble, that I'd have to answer questions that might lead all the way back. It would be his story versus mine. But after reading Cameron's essay about the assault he experienced, I cannot swallow the trauma, the truth, any longer. My pediatrician died a few years back. His death brought me no comfort, but it did free me to face my past and to donate that painting my mother gave me so long ago to the Salvation Army. So, I'm beginning to realize what those moments at his office, his home, did to me. I've been married for 38 years. My wife and I have two adult daughters. My wife is also a therapist, and because I love and trust her, I finally told her these parts of my past that had previously been a barrier to certain intimacies, parts that made me complicit in a secret crime, a silence that allowed my pediatrician and people like that film professor to continue. Since I can't erase these moments, I do the opposite. Just like Cameron, I go deeper into their danger by writing about them. Wow. I want to remember what the um, the pitch was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whew. I swear, you know, we've read it a couple times now, and each time I'm just more and more disgusted. Like this time I felt it in my throat. I was like, ugh, and my son just went to the pediatrician today. You know, he's 17, he has a strep throat. And I just... You can't trust anyone. I can trust Kramer, but can you? You know, like obviously this guy's pediatrician. He's supposed to care for kids. That line where he said, um, he's my doctor. I'm supposed to trust him. 
I know. Okay. We'll talk about the pitch in a second because I wanted to mention how I really understand he, um, Terry, like showed me what grooming looks like, what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. I so get it. It's like this slow, corrosive, scary, uh, mind fuck. Yeah. That's it. <gasps> and they, it's the fact that Horrible. this pediatrician made him feel like something was wrong with him because he didn't want to let this man touch him. Yeah. The pediatrician was like giving him these, uh, these eyes, these like a uh, silly child because older people have control over, you know, there's a power dynamic that is at play with older people and younger people. It's so sad and scary, such beautiful writing. So well told. So, so that I understood that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original pitch um, made that we thought that the story was going to be about um, the parents ignoring who, 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 who didn't protect. Yeah. But I think his parents were groomed too. I guess. I mean, doctors are in a position, these people in high positions that make you think this is normal and they see it every day. Of course, this is what they do. Like why? I mean, think about that doctor, the one with the gymnast. I know. I just thought of that. A lot of the mothers or parents were actually in the room when that doctor was like feeling girls up. Just horrible what people do. Oh, so the story initially that the narrator thought it was going to be about the his parents not protecting him. But then because of the power of reading his friend, Cameron, Cameron Cook's essay. I think that changed what the story became about for the narrator. I mean, basically, so at the end, and I love this last line, like he couldn't, I want to read it again. Since I can't erase these moments, I do the opposite. Just like Cameron, I go deeper into their danger by writing about them. That's the narrator's way of stopping predators by just talking about it, talking about it, getting it out there. Excellent. Excellent. So structure. So I want to just go back because, you know, I love structure in everything and especially in storytelling because that's how my mind works it needs a structure i don't want to be lost at the top so we know right at the top wait what what else do you love structure in besides storytelling what do you mean well i like to know what my day is going to look like like i i have an agenda i'm showing you my agenda oh. like i like to know where i'm going to be what i'm going to do i like knowing when my meetings are i know like i just i i got it i don't Excellent. i'm not okay. like and and somebody has told me that you need to be a little bit more um, spontaneous, but I I don't know I'm not that spontaneous. So when you're when you when a story comes to you, if you can see the structure like mapped out in your mind, it's more comfortable and more pleasing. Is that what you're saying? That's so cool. Okay, and Go easy ahead. to Tell follow us about the structure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he starts with basically what what happened. Like you're saying the why now. I recently read Each Fallen Robin. Right. So he just read this essay collection from his friend, Cameron Cook. And in those essays, he realizes that one of his colleagues is a sexual predator. And that brings up his story. Yeah. And that um, Cameron Cook was also groomed. Yes. So it's like, if you don't understand why I let the rest of this shit happen, then you don't understand grooming. But our narrator understood. Yes, exactly. That was cool. So it was great. He shows us that. He's like, I tensed, right? Okay. So then he describes the grooming that his friend had, right? Okay. So that's 
not even at this point, as far as the structure that I'm talking about is concerned, like boom at the top, we get it. Then he goes backward and he tells us his backstory and tells us when this happened to him. He shows us, right? So boom, we're in it. Then how shoes, how shoes. But then what happens is, is, and this is the part that people seem to miss. So they tell us about this whole thing and then they don't show us how it's impacted them now in their life. So he goes, but after reading Cameron's essay, I cannot swallow the trauma of the truth any longer. And then he shows us what happened to his pediatrician. He wraps that up for us and how that didn't even, his death didn't bring him any, you know, comfort and that he donates that painting. He brings us back to the painting which I thought was really good. Now we know why the painting was in there. Otherwise, why is the painting in there, right? So um, then he in- interprets. I'm beginning to realize what those moments at his office and home did to me. And then he shows us, he tells us, and then explains why I just read his whole essay, right? Because this is the part I'm like, why did I just waste my time? Yes, a terrible story. I'm so sorry this happened to you. But he says, I can't erase these moments. I do the opposite. Just like Cameron, I write about them. So what I am really, I don't know, I'm just thankful or satisfied or like the story just really works for me because the narrator admitted that he has some um, barriers to certain intimacies. And I feel like that was vulnerable and um, to, to mention. So it's, not, it's about like how it's affected him. Yeah. And he doesn't want that to happen to anyone else. And I just imagine that now that it's out there, that that hopefully those barriers are dissolving a little bit. I mean, I hope that for all of us that are like not addressing things that are bugging us or that are hiding or whatever, that we all get it out there and we share it and we tell it and we learn from it and we work on it and we really try to evolve because I, I really do. I mean, I have my own, you know, every single person I've ever loved has croaked on me, basically. So it's intimacy issues. We all deal with them. And this guy writing about it, being brave and getting it out there, I think is so important and inspires me a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Fucking awesome. I know. Loved it. Thank you, Terry Barr. And thank you guys for listening. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer. And me, Andrea Askowitz. Audio production by Matt Kendall, Evan Serminski, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Amia. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. For $35 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join me on Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Eastern time and or Zarina Fry Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level for $145 a month, you'll get first draft and second draft and second draft each week. Three people bring a second draft for feedback. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? 
produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.